first thing we're going to cover was something we've uh, talked about recently in the news, which is that NAB are looking to purchase Citigroup's consumer banking arm. So to give a bit of background, back in April this year, Citibank put its consumer banking uh, up for sale in Australia and in other, and 12 other markets across Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. Um, yep. and NAB has made the decision to buy that banking arm in Australia for $1.2 billion. Um, mm-hmm. The the C, which is the, um, I've forgotten the acronym. What's the ACCC? Australian Comp- Consumer and Competition Commission. Okay. So their, their goal is supposedly to, to stop the lenders becoming monopolies, which is arguable whether they're doing a good job of that or not, but um, that's what they say they're here for. Uh, uh-huh. If NAB is to get through and uh, have this deal be um, approved, they'll be yeah. taking over City's credit card business, which is the top is in the top five issuers of credit cards only behind the big four banks. Um, yeah. So it would further reduce the competi- competition between who controls credit cards across the big four. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to see how the the ACCC are going to respond to this, or whether the they'll let the acquisition go ahead, because obviously it's up to them uh, mm. ultimately. Uh, and it's supposed to be finalized the deal, whether it goes through or not. It'll be finalized by March 2022. So I just wondered yeah. what your thoughts were about that news. Yeah, I think they're looking to buy the whole business, not not just credit cards. The yes, Citibank whole consumer um, home banking line. arm. It's yeah, just home that loans the cards and- are big too. Yeah, home loans and that sort of stuff. Look, I think we're going to see a bit of this rationalisation because you know there are there are lots of different loan providers out there. Um, yeah, heaps and heaps and heaps. So we've seen um, ME Bank and Virgin get bought by the Bank of Queensland. Um, yeah, during the GFC, Westpac bought St George and um, ComBank bought Bank West. So I, I, yeah, I just see. I, I think we're going to see quite a bit of this. Um, yeah, I, when, I think when Citibank announced it, the only two that put their hands up were NAB and ING. So I'm not sure what, um, yeah, if the um, city is a willing seller and NAB is a willing buyer um, and no, and city want to divest themselves of, uh, you know, being in the Australian market, I'm not sure what, what the ACCC's powers are, you know, in order to stop it. Yeah, they might say it's it's becoming um, making things become uncompetitive, but I think it's just a sign of the times, and I think we'll see quite a bit more of it. Mm, okay, and yeah, I'm not okay. sure what the time frame is on a decision on it. March 2022. Yeah, well, that's when they want the deal done by. But I think they're waiting on the. Um, they're still waiting on the. Um, uh, yeah. Prior to that, they would have to get some sort of feedback from the ACCC right, on okay. whether they would um, support the the deal, well, um, or yeah, you know, or it might even might even be they support it, but there's got to be some yeah conditions caveats, on it. yeah conditions, yeah. And terms and conditions yeah. on the purchase, basically. Yep, um, the T's and C's. Another one we're going to cover that I thought was quite interesting. Um, the the head of Australian economics for the ComBank, uh, Gareth Aird. Um, shared uh-huh. a couple of points about why he thinks we have this sort of consensus view that, okay, New South Wales is in an extended lockdown now, so is Victoria. Um, 
a lot of people think that our economy is going to bounce back really quickly when this all blows <laughs> over. And he thinks that's a bit too optimistic. So he yeah. had four points that I thought I'd share that are, are reasons he believes that we won't bounce back as quick. We will bounce mm-hmm. back, but it'll take some time. So um, one is we'll have to get used to high COVID numbers. So hopefully yeah. once he, he expects that once restrictions ease, if vaccination levels improve, um, yeah. hopefully Australia will then experience living with COVID, which we haven't really tried to do yet. Um, yes. The second thing will be that people will be hesitant to go outside. Um, it might sort of lead to uh, a lot less people going out for dinners, going into the city for drinks because they're a bit more wary of going outside. Um, the CBDs will continue to struggle during lockdown due to a lot of office workers still doing like a split week. Maybe they end up returning two yep. days a week to the office. Um, and he believes more fiscal support from government might be required to keep businesses afloat. Uh, mm-hmm. And not a, the, the last point he made, which was interesting, was not everyone will get their jobs back. So obviously yeah. the job market will take time to recover and not all workers mm-hmm. stood down during lockdown will have a job to return to. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think it's it's as they, they said, you know, we've um, we may have to live with COVID like the UK and all those those other areas. Like, I was just having a quick squeeze. Then, in the last twenty four hours, the UK had about another thirty two thousand cases and a hundred people died from COVID. So, you know, whether we're ready for that sort of stat, not too sure. Um, yeah, the num the numbers in New South Wales have gone from you know, 20 or 30 a couple of weeks ago to 800 um, a day. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen over the next next couple of weeks. But I think um, I'm not too sure on his thing about people being hesitant to go outside. Normally, as soon as restrictions are eased, everyone flocks outside. So yeah. I'm just sure. I think he that needs to happen. come to check out some of the parks and uh, rivers, oh, exactly, and river yeah. walks yeah. in yeah. Richmond. Yeah, or Bondi Beach and and you know, Maroubra Beach in Sydney and, you know, play, you know, places all over the place, especially, you know, because we're coming in, you know, the, the weather's starting to warm up and we're getting into spring. I think the thing around the CBDs, I think they will still continue to struggle because, um, you know, people, I think a lot of people want to work from home at least a couple of days a week. I think they find the flexibility, not having to commute, not have to sit in traffic jams, not have to sit on trains and buses being coughed on or even wearing a mask. Mm. Like when most people going into a workplace at the moment have to wear a mask and not too many people I know are fans of getting to an office at eight, working there or five and having a mask on all day. So I think mm. that's going to be one of the big drivers for people to say, no, we'll, we prefer to work from home. And, sure. you know, when, if you've got a business with, you know, say they've got four floors of an office building prior to COVID and now they only have their 100 staff in two days a week, you know, potentially they only need 40% of the office space. They might have increased cleaning costs because when someone leaves on the Monday, you want to make sure that anything that, They've coughed and spluttered all over the over the desk is um clean, but you're probably not going to need as much office space. You know, we've sort of talked about this before and the impact that'll have on the retail shops and the coffee shops and all the other businesses that um yeah benefit from people going into the office. And the thing about not everyone get their jobs back, I think, is pretty true. I think there's been a big change in people's 
um, buying behaviours. Um, you know, the, the people that rely on tourism, um, you know, once places open up, I, I imagine travel is going to be a bit more expensive. Um, yeah, people are going to be less, probably more willing to travel locally rather than um, internationally initially and also into other states. You know, if at the moment, you know, I've been booked to go to Tassie three times and each time I've had to cancel it because of a lockdown. So, you know, are you going to want to book your holiday up to um, to Cairns or the Gold Coast um, only to have the border shut on you? So I think, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things are sort of up in the air, but, yeah, the, the world ain't going to be the same. For sure. And it's interesting, um, I sort of had a flashback just now to one of the first episodes we ever did. <clears throat> and I remember a study we learned about, which was sort of calculating the average commute time per day yeah. for, for like workers near CBDs. And I think it was around two hours a day that you're, you're, mm. you've got in commute time. So you yeah. think about that over a five-day period, that's 10 hours of your life that's just to get to and from work that a lot of people yeah. haven't really had to do in a year yeah. and a half. So yeah. that's definitely and I know, a big um, factor. Yeah, I know Simon Presley, who's been on your show a couple of times, their business, Propertyology, now has given up their office space and will never return to the office. So yeah. I'm not sure. I think they've got 10 to 12 staff or, or something. Uh, might might only be eight. I can't remember, but yeah, they will they will work from home. And if they need to get together when there's no lockdown, they'll just meet at a cafe um, or somewhere, and um, they'll do stuff via Zoom. And um, yeah, so they they will never have an office office mm -hmm. again. Another thing we we're going to cover was new home sales. So uh, in July, new home sales fell by twenty point five percent. But time will tell. Obviously, um, if this continues. Uh, and whether it taints consumer sentiment, which is one of the big metrics people like to reference uh, as a way mm. of figuring out if people think now is a good a good time to buy a home or if they'd rather wait, do they want to mm. buy in the next 12 months? That's how consumer sentiment works. So a bit more mm. of a breakdown that uh, New South Wales saw a decline in home, new home sales of 14.8%. Mm. Queensland was 25%, South Australia 29%, and Victoria was down by 32.3%, which was the highest mm -hmm. figure. Also, yeah, again, the, the HIA economist Tom Devitt, who was talking about the data, was just speaking on um, the coming months will be a better indicator of whether lockdowns are going to further um, mm. mess with consumer confidence and with more people mm -hmm. putting plants uh, on hold if they were going to buy yeah. a house before lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think you've got to take some of these figures with um, and put them in their context. Up until March this year, there was a huge spike in new home approvals and new home commitments because of home builder. So the government's home builder scheme finished in at the end of March. Um, you know, there was a you know, people were getting 25 grand if they committed before 31 December last year, 2020, 15 grand if they committed by 31 March this year. And you know, we know that um, builders have taken on three or four times as many you know commitments to build um, you know from people who wanted to get in to secure those um those government stimulus benefits. So if if there's a huge spike um, and then numbers drop, um, it can be a bit misleading. So 
I think we'll probably have to wait and see what happens over the next year or so. And I, I imagine that if there's a trend that continues, once the current um, um, you know, number of builds gets through the, the, the system, you know, they lay slabs and build frames and people move into their houses, if there is a downturn, I wouldn't be surprised to see the government just reintroduce Home Builder because mm. it was very, very popular. It seemed to be a very effective and it might be something that they just do because you know, the amount of the amount of um, employment that is um, created through construction is huge. For sure. Not just yeah, you know, not just the trade, not just the tradies. You know the the, the finance people, the architects, um, the other the council guys and girls. Yeah, you know, the food trucks that turn up to the building sites. Um, yeah, the council inspectors, all that sort of stuff. The other thing we're not really seeing through any of the figures at the moment is. Um, what impact lockdowns are having because you know if you know building sites were closed for a couple of weeks in sydney and i think in some of the some of the cap states at the moment there's limited numbers allowed on building sites so i imagine that will um you know be flowing through the figures you know with um completions and that sort of thing another thing that was announced during this week so this is still very early days they've just expressed that they're interested in doing this they haven't uh, announced anything. Commonwealth Bank wants to offer fully digital home loans that can be in, approved in as little as 10 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, fintechs have become like fintech, the word became a real buzzword over the last year or so. I'd never really heard of the word until I got yeah, into it. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's been it's been around for quite a while. Okay. Um, yeah, that you know, they're technology based finance companies. Right. And so obviously 86400 is the one that pops into mind when you think of fintechs being a, a fully digital online banking um, uh -huh. company that were bought out by NAB. I think it was, I just had the figure before, they were bought out for $220 million by NAB uh -huh. recently. So that's obviously a fintech that's killing it. Um, CBA yeah. want to try and uh, combat some of those fintechs and have their own offering on the market. Uh, as of yeah. right now, they hold one in four home mortgages um, and they want to try and offer some simpler loans, uh, offer offer this product for simple loans. So cut and dry yeah. sort of loans that you'd probably... Plain vanilla. Yeah, plain, yeah, plain vanilla. vanilla. What did yeah. you think look, it it's not, Oh, look, it's not, not surprising. I think it's sort of where, yeah, there, there were some stats we saw uh, probably a month or two ago about the number of people that would like to just be able to do all their all their banking online with no sort of human interaction. And it was probably you know, 20, 25%. So I think for simple loans, it's probably probably something that, you know, would probably work. But a lot of people's um, circumstances are complicated. You know, they've got credit defaults. They've got multiple accounts. They've got, um, yeah, they want to use equity in a property to buy an investment or they want to renovate. So I think... Um, yeah, you know, for the for the plain vanilla people who are who want to buy on price and just want something really quick, um, yeah, it's probably probably not a bad move. There are uh, this guy, Doctor Dizawadi Madiasmo, is a chief economist at PRD. If I got that pronounced right, I should I should be applauded. Dizawadi Madiasmo, that's a sick name. Um, and yep. he's expecting that the property bubble will burst if any of these three factors disappear. Those factors uh -huh. being. Uh, low interest rates from the RBA, which is then carrying over to the banks offering low interest rates on home loans, 
government subsidies, mm-hmm. which have been helping people get into the market, as well as local markets driving the demand. Um, he thinks any of these would cause a correction or a slowing down of prices, um, but I don't. He doesn't expect any change to the bubble being a really distinct shock to the bubble. He thinks mm-hmm. it's more going to look like a pumped-up balloon deflating rather than a pop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I think the thing he's missed is, um, and we talked about this just before we went went on air, mm-hmm. is that the thing that's driving the market at the moment is lack of supply. Right. So now, granted, low interest rates fuels demand, so that increases demand and government subsidies fuel demand. And, yeah, but at the moment, um, yeah, and you've got more expats, you've got first-home buyers who, yeah, may have been one of the one million people that left Australia every month to go travelling and they're not doing that anymore. Um, the biggest problem we've got is lack of supply and I think there were some core logic figures which were that the sales to listings ratio nationally was was 1.4. So for every um, for every sale, there's 1.4 listings. So there's not enough there's not enough properties for sale. We've got a chronic rental undersupply. Um, I think in in different I think in South Australia the sales to listings ratio is two to one. So yeah, I don't see I, I see it correcting only because. Um, prices just can't keep going up and up and up. But, um, yeah, the, the thing is if I think we were on that webinar yesterday with results mentoring, some of the some of the, you know, places in the country have had 25% price growth in the, um, in the last year. If in, if in the next year those places drop 10%, in two years they've still gone up 15%. So... I think you know you can you can look at stats any way you like, but in the end, um, no matter where you want to invest, if you want to invest at any time um, in any place, there's a good place to be buying around the country. So I, I w- wouldn't sort of put um, let anyone let any of these stats put you off, because if you're trying to time the market, um, you often get it wrong. Last thing I had for you was talking about a couple of statistics about uh, growth rates of housing construction costs as well as housing Mm. uh, prices. So building demand has driven a 1.4% quarterly increase in Australia's housing construction costs. Uh, This thing called CHIP, the Cordell Housing Index price results showed an annual growth rate of 3.9% and the largest quarterly change since the third quarter of 2014. Uh, mm-hmm. So obviously the the growth rate of construction has just gone crazy uh, and it's yeah. not been this crazy since 2014. Um, mm. The New South Wales index increased 1.3 months, uh, 1.3% in the three months to June. And it was about similar figures across the other states and territories. I think the highest rate was 1.5 for South Australia. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah, it's just sort of highlighting that uh, there's obviously a lack of supply of housing, so people are building more or trying to yeah. renovate. Construction is going up, the demand is going up, and it's also harder to get materials because some of it's overseas. There's sourcing delays and all those sorts of things. So Supply chain issues. Yeah, so uh, yeah. housing construction cost has gone up a bit as a result. I just wondered yeah. what your thoughts were. And Yeah, look, I think that that's coming. We talked about this 
might have been last week or the week before, is that there could be some hurt coming for builders because um, people normally sign what's called a fixed price building contract when they agree to get a house built. Yeah. And if yeah, if prices go up on you know, material, whether that be uh, timber, concrete, tiles, or the cost of tradies, um, someone's got to pay for that. So if you're if you've committed to build a house with a fixed price building contract, you've really got to be careful that as the build happens, that the build is not trying to um, trying to make up for any losses that they may be incurring on the build. So that's just something to to be to be aware of. Um, yeah, with the thing of building a property versus buying an existing property we've talked about before. For a lot of people, building is probably a good option because of all the incentives. So, you know, you can get, if you're a first-time buyer, you can get a higher stamp duty threshold exemption if you build rather than buy an existing property. Um, you get first-time owner grants of 10 grand, if you're a first home buyer, yeah, we talked before about people getting home builder, which has um, yeah, since been removed, but I, I still think we'll probably make a comeback at some stage. Um, yeah, with a, with a new place, you get a warranty, you get, yeah, you can help, you can have some sort of input into the design, you get to pick your colours, you get to pick your tiles, flooring, yeah, within certain limits. Whereas if you buy an existing property, you know, you've got you've got to make what someone else lived in suit you, which you know is not not always that hard. But with existing property, you get usually get more land. So we've we've talked before about how with property the land usually goes up in value and the building goes down in value. So yeah, you know, there's there's and the other thing about um, existing property is you've usually got more options to buy where you want to live. So if you want to live in a, you know, say within you know, 10 Ks of the CBD, um, if you want to build a property, you, you're going to have to pay top dollar for a house, knock it over and then build a property, which could be quite, you know, may not stack up. So yeah, certainly some interesting times ahead, I think. Mm, yeah, for sure. Um, there was something you wanted to cover about the the, the sales ratios. Do you want to bring talk about yeah, that? Yeah, we, we sort of mentioned sort of mentioned that about the, the sales ratio, which is a good stat that CoreLogic have started, and it's measuring the number of sales to the number of listings. And um, yeah, a balanced market is around one. So for every sale, there's a new listing. Um, what they're finding at the moment is that there's one point four sales to every listing. So as as people buy, um, the number of um, the the amount of available houses left is going down. So the number of listings is going down, um, and you know the number of new properties coming on the market is not keeping up. So that's why we think prices will probably keep rising for the for the short term. But I, I was just going to mention just a couple of things. Um, yesterday, both of us um, were on that seminar from Results Mentoring and Brendan Kelly from Results was on one of your shows, the 24-year-old self-shows earlier in the year. And they, the thing that they talk about, which is something that people can sort of think about when you're investing, is there's there's more, more options to investing in a property than just buying a property and putting a tenant in it and hoping the market grows. Um, what these guys do is you know, they, they have a strong, a good handle on the market so they can tell you if you're looking to 
you know, buy an investment, um, where might be the best place to, to, to buy that. They can help you with um, doing cosmetic renovations, which is a good way of you know, uplifting value in a property. Um, and they can also, they have some good formulas around, you know, what you should be paying for properties if you do want to um, renovate and also what you should be looking for if you're looking for um, ca positive cash flow. So the other one was around subdivision. And you know, quite a few people you know, might start off with a property and do a cosmetic renovation, and then they might leverage that property to buy another place that they can then um, um, you know, put a bit of um, extra money into and subdivide and that sort of thing. So <clears throat> there's more ways to get in the market than just, as I said, buying a place and um, you know, putting a tenant in it. Yeah, the only other thing I was going to mention, I can't remember I mentioned it last week, is the trend in interest rates. We're just seeing that fixed rates are starting to move up a little bit mm. over the last two or three months, but variable rates, uh, especially at lower loan value ratios, are dropping. So you can, I don't think it'll be, you know, at the moment you can get a, um, a um, variable interest rate for low 2%. You know, some of the fixed two-year rates are still high, 1%. So, you know, money's still very, very cheap. You know, even, even for an investor, you know, you can borrow 1.5%. And, uh, you know, if you can get a property with a yield of, you know, 5 to 6%, well, you're, um, you're kicking with the wind. Yeah, for sure. And just to elaborate a little bit what you just said, so with the LVRs, so that there's some banks offering some pretty low rates for lower LVR ratios. So is that, can you just yeah. expand on sort of what LVRs are and how they work? I figure we may as well just do that again. Yeah, for sure. So LVR is loan value ratio. And so for example, if if you, if you're, the property you're buying is um, 500,000 and you're borrowing 400,000, the loan 400 over the value 500 is an 80% loan value ratio. If you're borrowing 250 grand because you've got equity in another property or that you're leveraging and you've got, or you've got a substantial deposit, so the LVR is 250 over 500 or 50%, you yeah. can normally strike yourself a better deal. Or you can talk to your broker who can go to a, a, a range of different lenders to see what they're prepared to do to get your business. And right. yeah, any any bank picking up a, a property for that's um, say 500 grand where the people have already got 100 grand of um, deposit or equity to put in, um, that's a pretty strong customer for them. For sure. And, and drawing back to what you said with the 500 grand example, that mm -hmm. assumption, if it's, if you're trying to buy a home, that's 500 grand, you're applying mm -hmm. for a loan that's 400 grand. That's yeah. uh, you're assuming that to get the 80% LVR you're you've saved or can provide a hundred dollars, a hundred thousand dollars as a deposit. Cause that's the other 20%. Yeah. Like that's your, that's the bit that you've saved to show that you can sort of cover a bit of it. Yeah. And the, the, the other thing that um, you know, we've talked about before is you now using equity in another property um, to bring their loan value ratio down. Or if you're a first home buyer um, using the first, you know, the other 5% deposit scheme where you can buy with a 5% deposit without um, mortgage insurance. And the other option is also you know, where you get your parents or a richer sibling to assist with your property purchase by providing some equity in their property.
Mm. So there's okay. plenty, plenty of ways, plenty of ways to do it. Just um, um, yeah, we've said plenty of times before. Go talk to your bank because they love you to death. But um, also, I recommend getting a uh, second opinion from a broker, just mm-hmm. so you can make sure you're you're getting the best deal. If people want to get in touch with us, what would you recommend them do? What do yeah, you so recommend look, they should do? <laughs> okay, look us up on Facebook, um, search Money Saver Home Loans or check out the website. It's got our contact details, make contact. Um, if we can help you, we will. Um, if we can't help you for some reason, we will give you, we'll, we'll put you in contact with someone that can. 